Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Monday, May 11th. S&P futures are trading off about 7 points. That is about 25 basis points. Europe's major indices are trading down about 20 to 40 basis points. Uh, Europe opened higher since faded, and U.S. futures have um, followed a relatively similar price action where they were higher for most of the overnight session and have faded a little bit into the red. Uh, no specific reason um, that I have seen to justify the fade. I think it's just kind of you know very very quiet morning as far as major news is concerned, um, and just kind of a digestion period after the recent rally. Um, so, like I said, a lot of headlines to go through. I have them all compiled in the Vital Dawn this morning. Um, nothing really, no single headline stands out as being um, you know extraordinarily monumental or anything that kind of really shifts the narrative dramatically. Um, a lot of stimulus reports, both fiscal and monetary, from all the major economies around the planet. Um, the message from all of them is more in terms of more fiscal, more monetary, et cetera. Um, you know, however, I think there are a few nuances to note. Specifically in the U.S., last week, there's been a lot of talk about negative deposit rates that the Fed possibly could employ as, as its next policy step. Um, you know, there are kind of two types of negative, negative rates when people talk about them in the market. There are bond prices that will naturally trade um, it, it, into negative territory as far as the yield to maturity. And then there are central banks imposing negative deposit rates as a policy tool. Um, you know, the ECB has been probably the, you know, the biggest proponent of negative rates in the past, although it has backed off somewhat. It's implemented, um, you know, a, a depositeering policy. I won't get too much into the detail, but the U.S. Fed officials across the board for years have been emphatic about how they do not think negative rates, negative deposit rates, are an effective policy tool. So I don't think you know the Fed clearly is 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 not averse to doing more, and it's and it's likely to do more before the coronavirus crisis really concludes. Um, but negative policy rates is something that, like I said, they've been they've been very clear across the board, bull, uh, doves and hawks, that you just don't think it's an effective tool. So Powell is speaking this Wednesday. Um, that will likely be kind of the main message that I think he delivers, that the Fed stands ready to to act further, but they just do not think negative rates um, are really effective. So Powell, that the um, the report that he will be speaking this Wednesday that hit the tape on Friday about midday, there's an article in the journal today just talking about how the Fed's not going to do negative rates. So you know this is kind of cropped up. You saw Fed fund futures last week very briefly trade um, in such a way that they signaled negative deposit rates were possible in 2021. Um, and I think the Fed's probably going to come out now and just deli- and push back on that expectation. So that's that's as far as the Fed is concerned. Uh, the ECB, their next meeting in June, they're li- they're likely to increase and probably expand this um, PEPP program, which has been their main coronavirus-related bond buying facility. Um, you're coming up on the National People's Congress for China on the 22nd of May. It begins, so you're probably going to see more stimulus anticipation into that event. Um, but China really, you know, while most countries around the planet have unveiled extraordinarily aggressive monetary and fiscal actions, China hasn't. And it's probably not going to just given that, you know, they still have concerns about exacerbating uh, credit imbalances within the country. And also the economy is showing signs of improving, um, you know, without a type of, without a 2008, like, uh, uh, like shock and awe policy response. So I don't think you're really going to see um, a sharp, shift in the Chinese policy. I think they're going to pull various levers um, to to keep growth on a um, on a recovery trajectory, but I don't think you're going to see kind of an enormous announcement on um, out of this MPC on the 22nd. So just that's the monetary policy. That's the um, you know stimulus front. 
no major economic data yet. A few numbers out of China. The April bank lending and money supply figures were solid for April, um, as well as auto sales for April too. Although just keep in mind, we've seen indications for the last several days that auto sales have been recovering. So today's news on the auto front, it's positive, but not really um, terribly new. No major earnings out today really to talk about. Henkel in, in Germany, which is a consumer staple company, had uh, reports Nothing controversial. And then on semi, which is kind of a poor man's Texas Instruments, reported out over the weekend. Um, posit- they were not positive, but relatively in line on revenue, but very weak margins for on semi. Um, that's kind of everything. Like I said, there's a lot more out there to go through and talk about, but those are kind of the main highlights. Um, just looking out on the calendar, nothing major today other than earnings. I think for the week, um, you know, we're essentially, like I've been saying, we're done with the April and earnings season for the most part. You're going now into the April end season. I'm sorry, we're done with the March end, the calendar quarter one earnings season. We're now going into the April end reports, which are dominated by tech and retail. Cisco will kick things off this Wednesday night. Um, you know, Cisco, I think more than most other companies in tech is a very accurate barometer of just kind of underlying demand trends. Uh, most companies in tech are either experiencing very, very strong secular tailwinds or very, very strong secular headwinds. And so they tend not to be the best barometer of what's actually occurring in terms of just underlying demand consumption in, uh, for tech. But Cisco is, is probably one of the better large cap barometers. So that company will definitely be in focus. Like I said before, you have Powell that speaks on Wednesday. Um, you know, we're very much in the heart of reopening as well. So you know, a lot of re- individual companies are now reopening um, their their stores, locations across various parts of the country. There'll probably be a lot of unscheduled updates, media interviews with executives just to kind of get a sense of how things are going. So be on the lookout for, um, you know, I think, I think you're going to see the media peppered with those types of articles over the coming weeks into June, just as companies kind of give um, unofficial updates about how business is trending. That will also be a major topic at upcoming sell-side conferences. So this week is busy on that front. Um, and really all of May and June is busy for sell-side conferences. So again, I think um, investors are just going to want will be eagerly looking for just any updates on how business is trending as these doors reopen. So whether it be a Starbucks or a Macy's, et cetera, um, you know, Apple's going to be reopening some of their international stores this week as well. So, you know, reopening will be a major theme. Uh, on the macro front, uh, you have a lot of eco data on Friday, um, but otherwise it's 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 relatively quiet in terms of macro news. Um, like I said, other than Powell speaking on Wednesday, you'll probably get the House Democrats are going to release their blueprint for what they want out of this fisc- the fifth fiscal stimulus bill in the U.S., um, you know, this negotiating process on the on the fifth bill is going to be a lot more acrimonious than the last four have been. You're probably it's more likely than not you'll get something. Um, you'll get a fifth bill passed, probably not until June though. Um, I, you know, it looks like Democrats could be asking for two trillion of spending. I would imagine the final number is closer to um, you know, one one trillion, just in terms of because you're going to get a lot of pushback, I think, from Republicans who are growing wary of some of the deficit figures. Um, and I think you're going to see more bankruptcies. So JCPenney has a big deadline this week. Multiple re- media reports suggest that it could file for bankruptcy. You had a couple of Chapter 11 filings over the weekend, um, including uh, the, the second biggest airline in Latin America, as well as Stage Doors, which is a you know relatively small retailer in the U.S. Um, so those are the highlights for this week on the calendar. And then my views on the tape are still you know the same as they've been. I think you know I think there have been six 
key drivers of this rally, you know, a lot of reopening enthusiasm, a lot of this um, optimism around the positive linearity messaging that companies have been giving out on conference calls, stimulus still very critical. Um, 2021 EPS optimism. So, you know, again, a lot of people who are enthusiastic about the market are completely ignoring 2020 and focusing on 2021, where, um, you know, $160 is, is, you know, definitely, I think, a very feasible um, earnings number. And some people are even $10 higher than that. You have a lot of optimism around certain drugs and vaccines that are in various stages of development to treat the coronavirus. And then, you know, I think tech is clearly, you know, an enormous driver as well. Um, you know, if, if it's very difficult to be negative on the S&P, if you're also, um, you, you know, it requires you to be negative on your Amazons, Microsofts, Googles, Facebook, et cetera. Those, those stocks dominate the index. And if they're going to continue trading well, they will more than offset. You can eliminate essentially the entire energy industry. You can eliminate the entire travel, leisure, hospitality industries, and those stocks will compensate if they're going to continue rallying. So, I think those six factors have been a major, have been all driving the rally. Um, my biggest gripes are with the first two. So again, I think that there is this inappropriate conflation of reopening and normalization of economic activity. I think it's going to be easy to reopen. The question is whether or not that leads to a normalization of economic activity. That's what will matter for growth and earnings. And I think that you know there's a big disconnect between the two. So I don't think that people. I think I think investors are kind of again. Um, assuming that reopening means you're just going to go back to a normal type of economic environment. And then the positive linearity messaging also, I think, is being over, overblown. So it certainly is encouraging that um, you know you saw a sharp, abrupt decline in economic activity in the end of March and early April, and trends have, have kind of bounced off those lows since then. Um, and that's great, but you're still talking about a you know, huge year-on-year decline. So you know, if if business was down eighty percent year on year, and then it and then it ticked up ten percent maybe week on week or month on month, you're still talking about a huge year on year decline. So, um, you know, I think the positive linearity is, is is a little bit overblown as well. So, those two are are kind of the big areas where I push back, and you know, I continue to think that we're overbought here. Um, and I feel in particular, you're probably going to see a reckoning around this reopening. I think as it, as it dawns on people that reopening doesn't necessarily result in um, a normalization of activity, I think that will definitely kind of be a test for the market. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.